Hello, it's been quite a while here, but we have the wide variety of staff. We have tripled our staff size in just a off season. Welcome to the Tiger Miley Report podcast. It's a little different than what we do. I'm Rahelia Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown, and I got some. And I knew the dog was going to strike, Chris. I knew the dog was going to happen. It was just it's just a matter of that happening. But thanks so much for tuning in. So we're going to be talking about our top twenty five list that we have finalized some arguments to take care of. and But we have a couple of new faces, like I mentioned earlier. So Jerry joins us. He joined us in the winter because I loved his tweets about some of the data out there. He does a really good job. He's going to be our data guy. Jerry, how are you, sir? Not too bad. I'm excited. It's the first podcast I've ever been a part of. Oh, awesome. A little nervous. Oh, awesome. And you got an epic beard to go with it. Cameron, who has a beard going as well. Cameron's been on the pod before in Woodward. Cameron, how are you doing this evening? Pretty good. Pretty good. I have a fantasy baseball draft tonight. Oh, nice. So this double duty. Yeah, this this isn't going to break or make or break my night, but what we'll see how the rest of the night goes. If we what see you swearing you a couple times for a guy you were going to pick, then we can know it's going bad. And join us again during our minor league series. You can check out Cole Keith. We interviewed Justin Malloy. We interviewed also Josh Crouch. Connor with the five o'clock shadow going in. And uh, I, I know that you're been doing interviews, so I know your beard can't be as majestic as you want it to be. But are you planning on growing a beard, Connor? Is that the- yeah, I had a little chin going over the summer, so maybe maybe get it back to that point. Nice. All right. So pitchers and catchers reported today in spring training. There was some talk. Casey Mize talked to the press a little bit about his he had Tommy John surgery and also had back surgery, which Something that we've talked about this before, that he, we think he's been pitching hurt for quite a while, and now it confirmed everything. Confirmed, of course, the Tommy John, but the back kind of caught us off guard. But we're waiting for those best, best, best shape of their life stories, and those are coming out slowly but surely. But there's some observations, Spencer Trumbleson swing, we'll get all that. But uh, yeah, so we'll probably end up starting there. What are your thoughts about Casey Mize's comments, Chris? It's just, I know it's spring training. You got to fill the time. Jose Cisneros improved English is also a topic of conversation apparently down there. So that was good to yeah, see. I, I guess we're all working on something in the offseason. I, right. I, we were just talking about it a second ago. I was surprised by the Casey Mize back surgery because nobody knew about it. But it doesn't seem like a huge deal to me. I, it, unless it was like well, they're fusing his spine together or something like that, then I'd be worried. But it, it sounded like he just had a strain in there and they went and cleaned it up. That's how strains work. And it was because he was going to be, he couldn't do any physical activity anyway. So it's kind of like, I don't know, like you have a broken foot and while they're down there, they fix a bunion. <laughs> so I'll do it a one shot. What about you guys? You guys have any thoughts about that? He, he, no one's really came out and said what the back surgery was, which is scary, but they've assured us that it wasn't anything serious. So I guess we have to just take them at face value that it wasn't anything serious and that I guess it hasn't affected his timeline that much. So I guess we'll see. I mean, they call it a lumbar strain, which I don't know exactly what that means, but I don't know. And I don't know how they fix it, but I don't think it like I don't think it involved the spine, which is all I'm always worried about discs and things like that. Yeah, that's where, yeah, we always talk about that. When, when discs get involved and, and that just takes up so much of the upper body strength and you do so much with your back, that case in point on the injury report today, speaking of the back, Winslow Perez had minor setback with his back. 
And that kind of, he's on our list and gave me a little pause for alarm because I had him as a dark horse candidate to make the opening day roster. But again, it's a thing that lingers and it never goes away. Yeah, we, we talk about backs all the time. We talk, talk about Larry Bird, like going back years and years and years. Backs can screw up great athletes. They can pop up when you least expect it. I think Clayton Kershaw has dealt with back injuries. And the most concerning thing with Perez is, is that that back injury ended his season last year, right? Yeah. And we were hoping they were just being extra precautious, but no, it sounds like it's going to be a nagging thing, which is a real bummer. Yeah, I found the quote you see here. I guess they're all- Casey Mai said, I guess there are no minor back surgeries, right? But there's plenty of players who have had something worse. It was not a fusion. It's something that needed to be done, but nothing we've seen a lot worse. Yeah. Again, it's one of those, look at it as a sense of almost people are going to say immediately, when is it going to come back now? Now it's going to seem like it's going to be lost in Casey Mai's. And again, I'm not ready to write off anything as of yet. We're also waiting on Frank, Franklin Perez, who's going to be the comeback story of the year, apparently, too, as well. We shall see, but uh, I, I don't know. I got, I don't know. Tiger fans seem like they're already disappointed already with it. And there's just going to be this, oh, it's going to be a long season narrative already, which is ridiculous. But the, I think the other quote from spring trade I thought was interesting was Spencer Turbold talking about Matthew Boyd being the grandfather figure and Matthew Boyd is just two years older than Spencer Turbold. I don't know. I'm not going to read into that either. We got, we got to, this is like this stuff right here. All this stuff is just really just fodder until the season begins. Am I right, gentlemen? They they called Jose Cisnero the the dean of the bullpen or something like that. Yeah. I Cisnero is like the only one he's the oldest guy out there now, but I haven't I don't think of him as like a clubhouse leader or the commander of the bullpen. So I thought what also was funny was the overreaction that Erod didn't show up on Monday, but he showed up this morning. So that, that was like everyone's big thing again. Oh, is he going to show up this year? Just yeah. too early. <laughs> yeah, He had until today. No, spring training stories often take the form of Super Bowl, second week of Super Bowl hype story. <laughs> Just radio row, people talking about if you were a tree, what would you be? It's There's a lot of nothing until the game start, and then you start talking about position battles. And there are there are interesting stories of guys who like added something in the offseason or working on something, and those will come out too. But there is a lot of filler. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to get stories about nicknames and, and various roles within the bullpen. And some of these guys might not even be with the team in, in a month. Who knows? Anybody's watching live, you can feel free to participate in chat unless it's... That'd be funny. If, wouldn't it be funny? It'd be rather funny if people down the Lakeland are watching this right now. I, I, I'm not... If they are, first of all, welcome. And secondly, I would be interested to use comments anonymously. Hey, guys. Or just, or some, just something. I don't know. But is that's just wishful thinking. What's up? YouTube, Twitter link or anything? I can send, I'll send you, I'll actually send you the link right now. All right. But yeah, it, again, yeah, a lot, of, and I, this is a time for the, for the beat writers and even from, it's just, it's a tough time to come up with just until things start clicking next week when the games start, which will start next Saturday against Baltimore or no, I'm sorry, Philly, then Baltimore, and then Monday of the 28th or 27th. Yeah. Is it 27? Yeah, 27. They'll take on Tampa at 630. I'm actually going to try to go to that game too as well and uh, make the drive up to Tampa. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting some of the minor league stuff. And there you go, Chris. I sent you the link in our chat there. But yeah, other than that, let's let's get into the top 25 overview a little bit. This is version 1.1. And 
I know Cameron and Connor are relatively new, and Jerry had a, a big part of this list too. It was a consensus thing again. So if you're giving us some sort of grief about so low and so high, we're going to be changing it in a couple. We're going to be changing it. It's going to be going through three different updates throughout the year. So we're going to change it in probably after 60, mid-June, July, Chris? I would think somewhere around then. We, generally, we, we were talking about this, like, we probably don't won't change rankings or grades for guys for a couple months. What we were talking about yesterday, like sometimes guys make really obvious changes or things change really quickly. Like we talked, Parker Meadows was obviously different after about two weeks last, last year. And so we wrote about it, but I don't think we would have changed his ranking just yet because it was like, okay, let's go see what he does in, in Erie. But yeah, so all these rankings are just like a snapshot in time. And even since we've done them, I've gone back and thought, hey, I, there's some guys I'd like to see higher and some guys I'd rather have lower. We just... At some point, you just have to put them out, and then and then you can revisit later. Yeah, and this is how our new reports are going to lay out like this. So we're going to have three videos for each one. If we don't, we have at least if we can't find three videos, at least one video that goes over the report. And then we'll, so Connor's notes, and so we'll add people's notes as they go along, and then our live looks of when we saw the person. So that way, people know that we're out there and all about. Because to me, it makes a big difference when you can talk about if you're talking about a prospect. Whether it's if you have a, if you're new to talking prospects, whatever the case may be, you have some body of evidence. So, for example, Jerry went to go see Jackson Joe about West Michigan. He saw him out a bad start. He can say, well, this is what I saw. Then we go out there and he pitches a no hitter. But it, it just shows the difference in, in what Jerry saw and what we saw. And that way, for consistency purposes, too, I think it's important to not just say a scout told me. And so that happens a lot. And I'm not poo-pooing Keith Law or anyone else that does that. But that's what we try to do. We try to evaluate as much as honestly possible. And uh, Marty at 50, Marty 56 in chat says hello. And hello to Marty. Well, you're doing well. But yeah, that's what the goal is. So I, I like the fact that if Connor disagrees with something I have or anybody else, that's fine. I, I welcome debate. For yeah, example, I go ahead, Chris. Well, I was just going to give a, a real-world example of that, that from last year where we went and, and saw Ty Madden in Lansing. And there was a scout there, and a scout we, we trust his opinion. We think he's really smart. He, he knows what he's doing. He's a professional scout. And he absolutely hated Ty Madden. I hated him. Put like a, a four on his fastball, a three on his slider, a two on his curve. Said the in, it, delivery was inconsistent. Just thought he was, was garbage. And, and But I happen to know that that was Ty Madden's worst start of the year by far. Like he, he just looked awful on that start, and we watched – basically all of time I had the starts last year. We saw him at his very best. I think we were at in person when he set his strikeout record for the season. And we know that we were able to see the changes that he made throughout the year, but I wouldn't kill that scout for, for giving time and a bad scouting report. And if somebody has a bad look, like Roger saying, we'll, we'll take that because it's all part of the same thing. Like we, we know it's good to know what a guy looks like when he's bad and what a guy looks like when he's good. Cause sometimes that's the difference between being a mid rotation starter and a, back of the rotation starters is finding out a way to succeed when you don't have your best stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's good to get a, a breadth of opinions. Especially for example, another example that would be that by the time I went to go get photos for Wilmer Flores to start in Lansing, he was already out of the game. Literally I was going up and he was out so quickly. That was the quickest hook I seen, but they, they saw enough. He hit, was it 32 pitches in the first inning? Something like to that effect. And he was gone. And so there was just nothing I could, we could do about it. But 
That was one bad start. That was his only bad start at West Michigan. The rest of the time, he he coasted to the prees. So a, a player that comes in at number 25, let's start with number 25 that is for debate a little bit, is Elvis, Elvis Alvarado, who comes in having a good, like he's a non-roster invite, I believe. I believe he is. Yeah, he's, he's not in camp. And so for me, I, I don't know. I thought that like relievers, here's the thing about relievers. I'm going to ask you guys this question. Does do relievers ranking really matter to you at the end of the day in terms of these kind of prospect rankings? In terms of just, is it, it just seems like you have a variable 25 to 21 and there's not much of a difference. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would agree with that. We see that in the big leagues, even there's so much volatility in general with relievers that you can put them anywhere, any given day. So I would, I would say with relievers, I personally don't put them in my top 25, but that doesn't mean I don't think they're top 25 worthy. I think it just depends where their command and their stuff is at. It's such a short sample week by week, one inning stints, that there's always going to be a wave of different results, to say the least. No about you, Cameron? Yeah, I mean, I have trouble putting them in my top 25 just because it's so volatile. Next year, he could look completely different. He could be a lot better. And we're wondering, okay, why isn't this guy getting starts? He could drop off the face of the earth and... We don't see him make any improvements in the system. So he was not allowed. So he was not protected in the Rule Five draft, and he, surprisingly, no one picked him. My, which was, uh, but then again, you can also say that you can believers like this grow on trees. But he had a really good year in Erie last year. Once he got to Erie, he started to figure things out a little bit. And Chris, talk about his went heavily in this, especially in this appearance against Somerset in the playoffs. It's primarily fastball. Fastball, fastball, fastball. It didn't really seem like he went too much with that slider. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I, and I, I think he, he sneaked into the back of our top 25, mostly because I think once you get to the 20 range, everything gets a little loose in the Tiger system. It's, and we saw that they we didn't have Brendan White, and they added Brendan White to their 40-man. And and you could argue that he, yeah, he's roughly the same as, as Alvarado. But yeah, Alvarado, what, what stood out for him were a couple things. He, he made a massive leap. In strike throwing, he was walking like seven per nine throughout his career up until this season and then dropped it below three. Just started pounding the strike zone with a sinker that was 95 to 102 with with just ridiculous, like really bat-breaking arm side run. And so, yeah, hitters just had a really hard time doing anything with it. And that's the thing. It's Can you survive as a one-pitch pitcher? Probably not. But if you throw 100 with movement, you're going to have some <laughs> chance and that's why i think in scouting report i compared him to jason foley i said because he does have a slider and he does have a changeup. they're both the same they're below average pitches that don't do a whole lot on their own but when you're gearing up for 100 and he drops that on you it, it's hard to manage and yeah i think just from where he's starting from you've got a chance to be a sixth seventh eighth inning reliever which has some value those guys don't generally get rated as prospects but i they show up and they contribute in the big league. So that's how he made it into our list. What about you, Jerry? And you're a part of the initial list too. So what are your thoughts on him? Because I, I, the only thing I wanted to say was, is that in terms of his changeup is a good mix pitch, but it's just almost a get me over changeup. 
Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of video on them, so I, I, I don't want to speak to that. But when you hit 100 miles an hour, yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. <laughs> that's True. hard to top that. that. That does help hide some pitches that maybe are below average. When, for a second, when you're waiting for that fastball, it's, it's hard to lay off. What about you, Cameron? Before we move on, if there was anything else about in terms of him, he moved up three levels last year, I believe, too. He was in late, started the season in Lakeland. He was one of the few Tiger relievers that got up pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm trying to find his ground ball rate. I'm not finding that, but moving up three levels, he's 23. So I guess that's what he needed to do is uh, is to show that he, he, he can move up. He does have the stuff. Maybe we see him out of the bullpen this year. Yeah, it'd be a, a parade of arms there. And, and we go up to number 24, and this was a Brant Hurdler who I like the way Chris described him, can be accurately described as a hoss. <laughs> I'm the one that's Yeah, he's, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's big, and, and it's, it's, it's big, long legs and big. He's He looks like an offensive lineman. And then in addition to that, it's a funky delivery. He's a lefty with kind of like a low three-quarter delivery and it's it's herky-jerky and it, it's the sort of mirror image of Alex Fiedo where there's a lot of legs and then the arm whips through behind and it it gives pitchers or hitters a, an unusual look left-handed hitters they they struggle and then what what is striking about that is is how well he throws to the edges of the plate from that funky delivery that you would not teach anybody but the main thing we saw we saw him do really really well in West Michigan, and then he got up to double A and got hit around pretty hard. His peripheral stats are still fine. I think his FIP is probably like four runs lower than his ERA in double A. But he was just missing over the plate a few too time, few too many times, and he was getting hit hard. So they actually stopped stopped him starting and started using him as a, a bulk reliever. They'd bring him in after one or two innings and let him pitch three innings or whatever. So it, that may have been partially just because he was at his innings limit. He didn't pitch at all in 2021, or at least not in pro ball. He's another guy who may ultimately end in the bullpen, but there's some fifth starter potential there. Because <laughs> as we experienced the play there, but what, 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 hap- what happened was, no, and the only thing I noticed too about Erie, comparatively speaking to West Michigan, is he couldn't establish the inside part of this plate when he was throwing. I remember when we watched watch this they actually came out and talked to him a couple times and it's it, he just never was able to get loose in this outing for whatever reason i think this was his first double a outing but yeah, i remember i think greg, greg yeah greg said something about that too the voice of the seawolves talked about how he seemed he said he was tight yeah and it's a big dude like that you can see it but i don't know it, it's it's a pretty good arm fastball it's like a, it's nothing but sinkers for the most part up to 94 usually like 90 92 Slider is his best pitch, decent changeup. Again, we're talking about the 24th prospect. There's some promise there, but he's going to have to keep proving it. So I have a question. Have you heard anything from hitters on how they pick up on his arm slot? Are they fooled by it? Are they? I haven't talked to hitters about facing Herder. We did talk. Crouch did mention catching Herder, but he didn't. He was just mostly talking about the, the having to alter your your game plan based on what the pitcher throws. No, from what we saw, the le- it was it was what you might expect. The lefties had a really hard time, at least in Double A. Lefties were having a really hard time doing anything against them. But in that, I think it was in the playoff outing against Somerset, the righties were teeing off on him. But again, he was leaving pitches over the heart of the plate, which we didn't see him do in West Michigan. Yeah, the only thing I remember 
it was, it was talked about. I remember at West Michigan was talking about when, because I, I think it's West Michigan, I can't remember where the sun gets down to a certain point where it's hard to see at the pole plate and his motion, it's hard to pick up on based off that. That was, I remember there was somebody in the booth was talking about that, that that was an issue based on his delivery. But yeah, it's, to me right now, he probably will end up starting the season in Erie, maybe as a back-end starter, and especially if you see Adam Wolf continue to go move up towards the bullpen. And Wolf, who potentially it was a non-roster invite, so that's good for him. But overall, I, I, I don't know. Jerry, in terms of what you've seen from Brad Hoodler, do you see him being a long-term starter in the future? Maybe, yeah. What's, what's interesting to me is his last two outings with A, he actually struck out 40% of the batters. And had eight and two-thirds of his 13 and two-thirds innings. So I, he definitely got it there. He's got something there. I think one inning or one outing, he had four innings pitched. The other one was four and two-thirds. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how he re- does getting back into double-A again this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what they're going to do with him in terms of even some of the from a development side too, whether they're just going to tell them to air it out or continue to start. Connor, was there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I posted the best numbers out of any Tigers pitching prospect last year. You're looking at 11 and a half K per nine, a 1.77 walk per nine. And then he also limited extra base damage with only averaging a half a home run per nine inning. As long as he can continue to command the ball, I think he's going to have success. So he, he almost reminds me of a, taller Tyler Alexander but from a different arm slot as well it's just one of those things where maybe if he goes to the bullpen that you could see a couple ticks go up in the fastball but for now why not develop him as a starter yeah and you know what it could be a little bit fatigue last year too towards the end of the season going up three levels like that and making an adjustment could be noticed that with pitchers too especially as Chris mentioned earlier he did not pitch in 2021 so again it could be a, a combination of that and but it's nice for the Tigers to see some lefty development in terms of a starter standpoint because the system has lacked lefties, and all of a sudden now it's they got they, they the Tigers by the way signed Chase Fry, the lefty reliever from the White Sox, who has a really funky short arm delivery as a lefty. It's weird. He does that kind of glove tap when he goes to, as he's delivering the ball. So he's getting a minor league invite. To, he's also getting an invite to camp. So they're going to try every lefty possible. There's been rumors too. This came out to MLB trade rumors that the Tigers have shown interest in Will Smith, but then so is everybody else. So uh, that's more of a, a pipe dream there. So coming in at number 23 is Jose de la Cruz, who I personally thought took a step back last year because we saw like when I saw him in Lakeland in 2021, he hit the ball really well. He was picking, he struggled a little bit with picking up spin, but he showed really good in terms of his defense was a little, I don't want to say sloppy, but it was still a learning position, but showed a really good arm. He showed a really good arm. And then last year, I don't, I don't know. I felt like he regressed. Chris, I mean, there's a right up on him about De La Cruz. This is a guy who power wise, I'm at 55, but the power doesn't even, didn't even seem the same as it was in 2021. Yeah, it was one of those. This is one of those products of a democracy here where I don't remember. I don't think I would have had him in my top 25. I, yeah, I don't think I would have somehow yeah. he sneaked in. And it, but it is, it's a good exercise too, because this was a kid that we were all pretty excited about a couple of years ago because he had enormous power. People in, in camp were talking about it. I think Brian Packard said he had the most power he'd ever seen, something like that. You know, this is 
there used to be over at uh, Prospects Live, they used to do, they had this like little widget you could use to estimate minor league home run distance. And, and De La Cruz had a couple 450 foot bombs. Jeez, this is for an 18 year old. That's nuts. But yeah, I don't think he, the hit tool is, is the huge question mark here. And, and he's already backed up a little bit as an athlete. So he's not a center fielder anymore. So you just need him to hit. And the, the main questions there are, are breaking ball recognition and uh, pitch selection and stuff like that doesn't usually improve all that much. But when you're that young and that inexperienced, it can, sometimes you just need to catch up and he's still only 21. So yeah. if you look at him as, okay, this is a, this is a toolsy college junior who, who they just drafted a Peyton Graham, if you will, if he goes out there and produces like Peyton Graham this year, that'd be acceptable. I think so. That's what we need to see. But yeah, he needs to, he needs, this is, I, I would consider this kind of a make or break year for him. And, and for Adenso Reyes, his fellow international signing from the same class, who they both got a lot of money and they both have some promise, but they both struck out about 40% of the time in their pro career. In terms of even, there's, there is a, there is an athlete here. And I'm glad you mentioned the fact that he does have that raw power, but he can swing seems a little long. Is there anything guys you want to add about his swing or any about athleticism at all? Yeah, I think he, when he swings, it almost seems like he's over swinging on a lot of these swings and you can see like his head is pulling out. So I looked at some of his numbers. He's predominantly a pull hitter, but when he connects with the ball, he has a nice balance between line drives and fly balls. So I think it's just one of those things where he's young and he's still learning the game. So I think if you can just get him to focus a little bit longer on seeing the ball hit the bat, really good prospect. Yeah, especially on, I think that the, in terms of his defensive profile, there is something to be said about that. But then he can also fit in. This is where I think the Tigers lack sometimes in terms of the lower levels right now. It's, it, it, some of the outfielders are lack that consistency of having power and defense and, and all, all, basically, not only say five tools, I don't want to say, say five tools, but a combination of seeing a little bit of everything all at once and it just right now it seems like he's stuck at two tools or whatever the case may be but it, it is kind of you there is hope for him because of his age brings a young crop of i think he's gonna stay another year in lakeland i don't think going to west michigan right now would be ideal situation but i see him starting the season in lakeland so unless unless he goes out and mashes out of nowhere but we'll see so moving up we're moving now we'll these pretty quickly through and number 22 is Danny Soretti, who surprised everybody. No one expected him to go to Erie in, in the span of a month, was it a month and a half, which is why having a draft late in the year sucks. Flat out sucks. A lot of the scouts don't like it. No, no people, not a lot of people like it. It's, we heard that throughout the community. And Soretti said, screw that. I'm just going to come up and just do our do my thing and, and came out and he hit and he didn't hit like just leap but like little bloopers or anything yet with some some good power number not power numbers rather but hard hit contact was good chris i'll start with you in terms of this was also one of those consensus ones where he could have gone a little higher he could have gone this one anywhere from 22 to 17 really that sounds like a, a little bit of variable but yeah it we really had to hedge our bets with him because he did perform so well in such a small sample size in pro ball. It was like, 
is this dude legit? I think he was a fourth year junior or for maybe a senior. And he had had some draft buzz as a junior, but didn't have a great season. And yeah, the, the main thing that stuck out about him in pro ball was just how calm he was. He was really just a low heartbeat hitter. Like he was, he, he didn't seem bothered. I remember there was, it may have been in that playoff series against Somerset. There was a, a no hitter going. I think they threw a no hitter yeah. and it was like the seventh inning. And he worked, I want to say like an 11 or 12 pitch walk, just, just would not give in, was following pitches off, taking pitches really close. He just seems to to be a really mature hitter in the plate. And that was the main thing that stuck out. And like, when that's the main thing that sticks out, you know, like, I don't know about, I don't know how much of a prospect that is. Cause we saw the same thing from Austin Murr the year before. Right. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and then this year, Austin Murr just, he didn't regress, but he just didn't hit for any power, but Soretti showed a little bit of power. He hit a, a light tower, like rainmaker home run. I think, I think again, in the, the playoffs or against Richmond. And he showed some line drives from both sides of the plate. So yeah, he he was just a really interesting player, but it was almost like we didn't see enough of him to really get a great feel for exactly what he is because he was he was in Lakeland, then he was gone, then he was in West Michigan, then he was gone, and then he was in Erie, and he was helping out in Erie, which is remarkable for a kid who was just in college. One big takeaway from that too is that he replaced Trey Cruz on the yep. infield side of things, and because the, it's a long story behind Trey Cruz, but nevertheless, they welcomed his glove. Yeah, they had him playing middle infield in the playoffs in Double A, like six weeks after he started pro ball. It was, it was pretty impressive. Jerry, what about you? Is there is there anything that stands out above his game that you were able to ch- catch? I I like that. Even though they are small sample sizes, his walk rates continued to stay up there high, and his his K rates weren't crazy. That's that's something you always like to see because we're so used to guys just swinging and missing. Yeah, it's a common profile. He fits that. It seems like he fits a new profile. Anybody else want to add anything before we move on to number 21? He he took all the steps I was expecting Young to take, which is, which is what surprised me. And then Jerry already said it, but 24 walks, 21 strikeouts. There's nothing to hate about that. Yeah. Just a quick, his college coach really said that he was a leader in college. So I think that's just a, Good little note to put in there. Yeah, no, and that's one of those things where he fits that quote unquote. Is it fair to say he's a gym rat or baseball rat or however that term is used? I never understood that. Yeah, baseball, like a, baseball. I think you're you're a dirt bag. Yeah, how about I just like my job a lot. I don't know, but coming in, <laughs> so coming in at number twenty one is Andre Lipsius, and Lipsius is now on the forty man roster, and. This is a guy who you know, everybody knows, it's a bad guy, because I was very high on him since the beginning. But just a solid guy. Again, this is where he can fall in anywhere. And he is in position to try to win a job out of spring training. If not, probably start the season in Toledo. We know he walks. He's shown ability to hit for power. He, he's like just, he's very non, as Chris put in there very well, nondescript. We see him, we see him walking down the street. Do you know he's a baseball player? Probably not. I wouldn't know, but but again, his speed, something about his speed before, and this is the original scouting report coming out of Tennessee that he was not very sure-footed. He was very slow. But he seems like he's can hold his own. It's not nothing to write home about, but it's his defense overall that he can go anywhere, play anywhere, just does his job quietly and goes about it. And that's what I like. It's just like this 
I hate to say it, but like this Detroit cliche that workmanlike attitude and kind of fits it. This is a guy who studied to be a, I believe, a nuclear engineer. Tennessee is a smart dude. He changed his swing three or four times since coming to Tennessee. I remember his first couple of bats at West Michigan that still stand out. And even his approach to the plate when he got to Erie, same thing. Anybody want to add about, I've gone, I'm gushing about Andre Lipsius, but it's just good to see a story like this for the Tigers, especially when they've not been able to produce anything on the, the past the first round lately with bats. Something that I found interesting was if you look at each level along the way, his numbers don't stray too far away from Ryan Creedler, who gets a lot of love from the Tigers fan base. So I think he's, he's right up there with him, in my opinion. No, that's a good, that's a good point, Jerry. I didn't even think about that. That's, that's good. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Kreidler a little bit later because he's a little bit higher on the list. But they're the same draft class. And yeah, Kreidler's ascent was wild in 2021. Lipsius has been more slow and steady, but that's just his nature as a player. We talked about it before that it's just the more you watch him, the more you realize the little things he does. It just working at bats, getting hits when they need him, hitting for power occasionally. He'll steal a bag, even though he is slow afoot. So yeah, he's he's just a a good baseball player, and every manager we've ever talked to really likes him, and and so there's some value to that. I think we value, managers see things differently than the rest of us. Yeah, I know Hinge was pretty 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 high on him, and especially because he was talking about what he could bring, and that the fact he can walk, draw walks is it's important, and for again for a system that doesn't have a lot of those guys, and. I, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see how he fits into the roster in the grand scheme of things. If he's going to, is it going to be a call up? Is he going to be a guy who's going to stick around the 40, 26 minute day, quick, 26 man line. roster day of? And Nick Gordon we shall see. But uh, I just wanted to show an example of some of his power. But see, as That's soon as I say he looks a little average, I look at that video here and I'm like, oh, no, 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 never mind. He looks pretty uh, pumps tall. Lipsius takes low. But, uh, I think he's what, 6'1"? Yeah, but I'm 5'7", so everything, everybody's yeah, all the heard of so. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. At 5'6", everybody seems giant. The Dodgers, the Mets, this year he's gone from the Mets back to the Dodgers. So, no, again, it's, I'll oh, just fast forward to the home runs. They drive the left, there's Sadzik pitches, and they drive the left field. And same, they just. Back goes Stevenson, and it's a line drive home run. Lipsius, it, it's just, even his in terms of a swing, too. I just want to talk about a swing here. It's all right-handers, Sadzik pitches, and they drive the left field and deep. That's just and nice explain. Stevenson, and it's a line drive home run. What are you saying? Yeah, but a lot of the times what we'll see, and what, definitely what we saw when he first got to pro ball, is he was he was he had a nice two-strike approach, and he would hit the ball the other way. But I think as he's and this is like a classic baseball player thing, as as he's gone up levels and gotten more mature, he's learning when to pull the ball. And there he got a fastball like middle middle. I could pull this, and yeah. it was a run. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I think he's going to have a better big league career than a lot of people think. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's a Zach Short big league career or I, I keep comparing him to the kind of guys that, that show up on the Cardinals and then put up like a four-war season out of nowhere. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to put that on him. I'm just saying that that's the kind of player that the Cardinals seem to turn out all the time. Do, do we think his hit tools better than Zach Short, Willie Castro, Harold Castro, like some of the guys he's – should I be would think technically replacing bat to ball, probably not to the level of Harold Castro because Harold Castro has elite bat to ball skills. But overall, 
Uh, I think with with the plate discipline and the ability to go to all field, I think I would grade him uh, as a hit tool better than those dudes. Yeah, I say it's slightly a little better power than Hill Castro too. I think there's oh yeah yeah in, in terms of just uh, I think he has sneaky power. He's not gonna be a guy that hits three home runs, but ten home runs, fifteen home runs, yeah. and give you that kind of dependability to play anywhere in the infield. So that to me is a valuable thing. I mean, a lot of times people have this illusion that oh, they have to be an all-star well, to me right now average two war players would be fine by me with this, this organization and, and just the one thing though is is that i i would i would be much higher on him if i thought he could play shortstop at an acceptable level at the big league and i don't think he can he's a he's a very capable second baseman i think his best position is third base but i don't think he has the range or first step quickness to play shortstop but maybe he'll prove me wrong and that we'll find out I, That's where I, you and I disagree on that a little bit, only because I feel like he is a guy, he reminds me, he could put you like a giant Peralta type of shortstop in a way of just be in the right place at the right time. Because I did, we've we seen him play shortstop in Erie and in West Michigan. I think in West Michigan, he subbed for Perez, ironically enough, a few times. And I thought he was fine. I thought he, I mean, he didn't, wasn't going to give you like the Gage Workman throw and, and what have you. But I, I thought that he can hold his own. But even at third base, more than adequate there. Let's move on to number 20, and that would be Mr. Dylan Smith, who had a couple injuries last year, so we didn't see as much as like we wanted to. But a lot of his stuff is just funky in terms of just his movement on his stuff. And this is a guy who I think I'm, I'm really I'm starting to get higher on as the more I watch him. Oh, that was a nice place by Prezer. Sorry, I'm getting an ADHD moment there, or ADD <laughs> moment. But yeah, this is a guy that people are... I think he's going to rise up the prospects list a little bit here. But first thoughts of Dylan Smith. I'll start with you, Jerry. Yeah, I watched a little bit of of some of his starts. Me, like that right there, that curveball there was really something slick there. And he seemed to he seemed to be pretty good in terms of his his command and his fastball was hitting ninety four. Pretty pretty frequently. I I'm, I'm really intrigued by him. He's another one that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this year to see how he does. See how he, like you said, he's going to probably move up if he keeps pitching like this. What about you, Chris? Yeah, he's he's one of the guys I wish we had higher on our list. And I was yeah. a little bit lower on him earlier in the year because I didn't think he had a changeup. And then by the end of the year, he was throwing a mid 80s split change that looked like a potential above average pitch. And it's, it, it, to Jerry's point, like the main thing people project with him is, is potential above average command because he's an athletic pitcher. He's got a, a pretty fluid delivery and he seems to know what he's doing. I, I think he has some of the same fastball issues that, that other guys in the system have that we'll talk about later. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a bat misser in the zone. But he he has a two seam and a four seam and he can throw mid bass miss basses miss basses. He's a fisherman. He can miss <laughs> bats above the zone. And yeah, I I think the one thing that I I think some people talk about you'll read in scouting reports is is like a projectable frame. And I don't think that's the case. Like he, he's skinny, but I think he's gonna stay skinny. You look like his shoulders are about the exact same width as his hips. I mentioned it before. A scout put an oil can Boyd comp on him which I liked because Oil Clan Boyd was, was 165 pounds, but good. And yeah, it, I even put up a clip today on the minor league account about how athletic he is. It, and it's a little 20-second tweet of some of the batter popping up and Smith running over near the dugout to catch it. He, he got there quicker than the third baseman, quicker than the catcher. 
because he he played everything in high school and he was an outfielder too. So generally speaking, guys with that level of athleticism, that command potential in, in four legitimate pitches, you can project pretty well. I, I think the main question for me is durability. Is he going to handle a full starter's workload? As you said, Raji, he went out with, I think, a shoulder injury last year, which I don't think was serious, but still he missed some time. What was it that the infielders not communicating on every clip we've watched so far? That's uh, early in the year. <laughs> yeah, and that's what worries me is the the durability factor of him. Connor, what about you? What is it was what's something that stands out to you about Dylan Smith? Yeah, he really has some lanky arms. So it looks like he gets a lot of late and awkward swings. And I think that's because he also tunnels his pitches really well. He is really good command. He limited a lot of the extra base damage, only allowing less than a home run per nine last year. So just one of those things, like, it's a, it's a good def piece to have in your system. And if he can put on maybe a couple more pounds and get some more fast below, he could be an interesting prospect. For now, I, I think he's good where he's at. It's just trying to keep swinging up. By the way, I just wanted to point out, I'm, I wanted to show some Dennis Oil Cam Boyd. And also I wanted to show, look at this right here. 98 strikeouts to 131 innings pitch. Imagine that 27 home runs. Can you imagine that now? I just I was looking at that line right before I posted. I'm like, wait a minute, what? His ERA is 3.98. But I can see what Chris was talking about. Anyway, Cameron, did you want anything about Dylan Smith? No, I mean, I think you guys went over everything. I've been high on him ever since I think mid to late last year. You started talk, you said you talked about him on the Woodward podcast. Or something, and I've been following him since then, and I really like his delivery, really like his off speed, and then the fastball to go along with it's pretty good. Yeah, Chris, you weren't, gentlemen. I don't think Chris was too far off the, or the scouts comp comp about him too. Except he just seems like he goes a little more over top over. Yeah, yeah, does a little more more over top, but yeah, it's. I think it was mostly a body comp, but. Yeah, Still, it's fun because that was a dude with that kind of body who who succeeded for a while. Yeah, he was effective on that '86 rotation too for the for the Red Sox, and he also pitched for the Expos too. All right, let's move on because I can watch this. I can watch old baseball all day, but we don't have that, we don't have that kind of time. So moving on to number where are we at? We are number number nineteen, and we're at Gage Workman, who is I think a polarizing prospect among all of us. Chris is like. Yeah. So, you know what? I'll start with you on this one, Cam Cameron, in terms of what you thought of Gage Workman, because there was some the defense, the arm, but then you look at that strikeout number and, and gives you a slight pause. Yeah, I think I wrote two sentences on my little blurb about him. 40% K rate. Has uh, hurt his progression in the system. When he actually makes contact, it's hard contact, but he isn't making enough contact. But he could probably stick at short, but uh, I don't think he'll go anywhere unless he uh, cuts down on the Ks and makes a little bit more contact. Connor, what about you? Yeah, it reminds me of a switch hitting Joey Gallo to put it in a way like he just has <laughs> unreal power, but just a ton of swing and miss. So it's just one of those things like if you can get him, whether it's flattening it out or stop chasing the ball so much he could be a really excellent prospect I, I think he has a cannon of an arm and super athletic but like cameron said he just he really needs to cut down on the case what about you jerry i 
I really, really want to like him. Even with that 40% K rate, he had 14 home runs, 30 stolen bases. It, it feels like there's stuff to like there, but if you're swinging everything, it's just not going to work. You can't, it, it, you can't do that. And Chris, you and I talked about this too. He, we were, we were talking to Gabe, we were talking to Gabe Alvarez about his swing and what he was working on. And that moment where he, he was getting, he was getting frustrated and, and he was, the organization asked him to work on things. And so finally started listening to work because correct me if I'm wrong, it was his father that gave him, that was, always been a swing coach something like that yeah i mean he, yeah. He was, it, it's it's sort of a, a minor version of what we talk about with spencer torkelson about it's tough for these pro, pro athletes sometimes to go against what got them to where they are and and it's hard for everybody to deal with failure and think hey there's something i've got to fix about myself and so yeah it sounded like he did proactively take some some coaching there towards the end of the year and and we saw him He's he's just he's capable every now and then of going absolutely bonkers, and that's what like the the only thing you hold on to. I think he had a game in the Arizona Fall League where he hit two home runs, including a grand slam and a double. And but he'll also go on these these stretches where he swings at everything and doesn't make any contact. Do golden the golden sombreros? Yeah, and and one of the more fascinating things he he will also have these these games where he will he'll have a twelve pitch at bat that ends in a strikeout. He'll fall off like eight pitches in a row and then swing and miss. And it, it's so there's some feel for, for getting the bat on the ball there, but but it's it's a yeah it's just it's a mix that I don't think is going to work against advanced pitching without a severe change in in his plate discipline. And that's the only thing you hold on to because it's if you get down to a thirty percent strikeout rate, you've got yourself a major leaguer. Now I don't know how much of a major leaguer it is, but with everything else he does, he's he's an above average runner. He's a plus runner underway. You, you see the power to all fields. He's not a very good right-handed hitter. I wish, he's another one I wish he would just stop batting right-handed, but switch hitters don't ever seem to do that. We've seen it a couple times. But yeah, and he, he's got the defensive chops to to play the left side of the infield. I think he's better at third. It's really more of like a, a stopgap or an emergency shortstop at this point. But we've seen him make crazy plays from shortstop. It's just the consistency's not there. So yeah, he, he's a really tough one. I think. You just you don't see major leaguers who strike out forty percent of the time in the minors. It just doesn't happen. So if you can get down to thirty percent, then then we'll talk. But if not, he's just going to be a Kale Org redo. Ooh, that's a tough comp. Speaking of comp, Roberto Campos was a bad segue. Number eighteen, and this is a guy who had a, the hardest hit rate in low way, but the problem was it's all grounders. But it's okay. It, it, you look at his numbers last year. There's a lot to like about Roberto Campos that makes you should make Tiger fans excited. Again, I thought it was a little low on our list. That's just again when you have a consensus list like that. I thought Campos should have been a little bit higher, but again, I'm not gonna. It's whatever at this point. But he's a guy who could quickly. He's he's been. I think it was. I think it was Evan. Wood, yeah, he talked to Evan Petzold of the Free about working on his angle getting increasing his angle upward the guy walked around almost a 10 percent clip last year batted 258 had a wrc plus of 103 so he had a good eye at the plate and again even on the field on the field wise it's weird because he, he's such a big guy but he actually moves really well for his size but i'll start with you connor in terms of compost there's a lot to like about this bat what do you what do you like about it yeah he wowed so many people last year in spring training when he just popped up opposite field home run i think it's just one of those things like you just have to be patient he's only what 20 years old 
So I I think he could start back up in Lakeland real quick and then head to West Michigan if the swing changes work. But for me, I'm not so worried about him. I think he, he has a really good chance of, of being a top 10 prospect in the near future. Chris, what about you? Yeah, you guys touched on it. it it's, it's a really intriguing mix of, of physical tools and precocious skill that we did not expect from a kid who basically disappeared from the international scene when he was 13 and reappeared when the Tigers signed him. They stashed him away in their vault. And yeah, to, to have basically skipped over the, the Dominican Summer League, go straight to the Gulf Coast League or whatever it was, the Florida Complex League, Complex League in 21, and then go to low A last year and, and, and improve in terms of plate discipline and some other things. Those are all really good signs. And yeah, he doesn't turn 20 until June. So he's still, still 19. He's going to spend the first few months of this year at 19. It wouldn't shock me if they challenge him with an opening day assignment to West Michigan, but there's, there's no rush with a kid that young. And yeah, we talked about it. When you're already hitting the ball that hard, if you can elevate it, then you got something there. It's, that's a lot harder than it seems seemingly for, for a lot of guys, even like Vlad Guerrero Jr. has trouble maintaining a good launch angle. But, but if he does that, then yeah, there's top 10 prospect. There's top 100 overall prospect in baseball potential here. We just can need to see it. Yeah, definitely. It just, I think he's on the verge of a breakthrough. Anybody else want to add anything before we move quicker to the list? I was just going to say in the complex league in 2021, he did kind of show the ability to lift the ball some. I think his fly ball rate was 37% and his line drive rate 21%. So if he can get close to those numbers, it could be really fun this year. I, I think he made a swing adjustment between 21 and 22 mm -hmm. to, to make harder contact or something. So yeah, maybe if there's yeah, a, a happy medium in there, then then there's something. But to your point, that shows that he has done it before. Like there, there's some aptitude for making adjustments there so that's a good sign too but yeah one of the things when we do these lists we, we talk about the upside of all these guys and and certainly he could take a step forward but we know that doesn't always happen with some guys just for whatever reason they, it doesn't work so we just again hedging our bets here a little bit and and by june he could be in our top 10 pretty easily i think so let's move so for 17 16 15 14 13 these are these are pretty well except for 16 but number 17 is Reese Olsen. Number 16 is Mason Engler, who they picked up in the Rule 5 draft, the minor league portion of the rule. Or no, I'm sorry. He was the Rule 5 pick by the Tigers. Number 15 is Josh Crouch. 14 is Peyton Graham. And number 13 is Ryan Kreidler. So I don't know which where you want to start with this, but Reese Olsen is on the 40-man roster. And we talked to Josh Crouch a few weeks. So, again, really liked his, his professionalism and the ability that he is a hitter and then just – I was blown away that he just started catching what his last year in college. Is that what it was? Gentlemen, I can't remember. I feel like he just started catching recently. I don't know if it was in Juco or at high school yeah. or, but, but it was, yeah, I mean, he's not like a lifer at behind the plate, which is not terribly uncommon, but yeah, he's, he's made a lot of strides in the last few years. Defensively at least. Yeah. Yeah. But Mason, so Mason Eggler was a guy who really, I didn't know too much about him. I didn't know too much about him, but, we have his debut in double A because we are sick like that and we, we track everything. So I want to pull up. So if everybody's not familiar with what he looked, how he pitches, gives you a better idea. See, that's a 
That's a little nice. Took a little something off that. Yeah, this is so. This was the first outing. You also see him. I think this is Jordan Lawler. He's pitching against here, top six overall pick. I think in twenty twenty one. But yeah, what, what you, Englert is the Andre Lipsius of pitchers. It looks it all. It's all pretty average when you watch it, but it works well together. And and actually, what stood out to me, I think it was his second or third start. He dropped a couple really nasty changeups. I was like, wow, I had no idea he had that. So in this start, you mostly see his fastball, which is like ninety ninety four. He he misses bats up up the, in the zone with it, and then you see he's got the little short slider. There was a tip right there, but he's got like a a, a little tiny short slider that seems to tunnel with the fastball because batters just do not pick up on it very well. But yeah, he's a four pitch guy. He throws strikes. He's got a good body. What six four two oh five I think. So it, it was a really interesting inspired rule five pick because this is he could probably survive as a swingman in the big leagues right now, and you could keep developing him as a starter. And and there's number four starter potential there. Yeah, there was one thing about him, too, that I, I liked is the fact that he does throw four pitches and they're all adequate. It's not that maybe perhaps his changeup might be a little weak, but I, I don't know. Like, I thought that to have that kind of with the K per nine over 11 and double A and more in high than double A, but because double A is such a small sample size, I think the Tigers did a really good job of, of whatever their plan is for him. I think it's going to be because if you look at, in terms of starter depth right now in the minor leagues, outside, again, he's going to be the Rule 5 pick. I understand that. But it's, so let's say he ends up going, stick with the roster, and then he ends up going down. Right now, above double A, there's not really, it's not triple A. It depends on what they do with Brisky and the variables with that and Joey Wentz. But double A, in terms of starters in double A, after they're going, developing right now in the high A, I don't know. It gets a little slim from there, but it, I don't know. Either way, I, I like it. It's 20, he's only 23 years old, too, so that's even the best part, too. He's not he's not 25 or 26-year-old, old, which, I mean, again, does that make a difference, but he's a little, little younger than what you normally see in Rule 5 picks. And I just, I, I think it's interesting the way it worked out where we have him right next to Reese Olsen. Yeah. Because they're fairly similar in terms of pitch pitch mix. Englert is bigger and stronger, I think. Olsen is, is a smaller guy. He, Olsen actually throws a little bit harder, but his fastball isn't all that great. And, and Englert has better command. And I think Olsen has a better changeup. So they're they're really pretty similar. But I think Englert has more ingredients to start than Olsen does. I was about to say that. I was about to say, I, I picture Olsen coming out of the bullpen and Englert getting a, one of the four or five spots in the future. I was going to say, like, when I watch him pitch, it almost looks like Christian Javier. And I know that's a crazy comp, but if you look at his, I don't know what, what it's called. It's, I think it's the vertical arm angle or something along those lines. It almost looks like the ball is rising up on his fastball. So I think that's why you see a lot of swing, late swings and misses up in the zone. So it's just kind of one of those things, like maybe if he can get a little more sweep on his slider, he could be an even bigger swing and miss guy. So who knows? Yeah, it's it's the vertical approach angle. You're exactly right. It's it's basically the angle at which the ball goes through the zone. And some guys are really steep and some guys, and they've discovered what the last couple of years, that, that flat angles through the zone are harder for batters. To, and yeah, that, there may be the case there. I, I don't I didn't dig into that or looking for that, but. There's a, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like there. It's you never know with a Rule Five guy. They have to keep him on the 26 man roster all year, so things might get weird this year, and they may have to let him go. But I'm pretty excited for them, and hopefully, they can figure out a way to keep him around. 
So one of the things I wanted, Jerry, in terms of Peyton Graham at number 14 and Winston Perez at 12, I still feel confident about because Graham, I know is on lists everywhere higher. Chief Law mailed it in with putting him. And there's some other lists too, where just for a fact they didn't watch anything. But how do you, how do you feel about Peyton Graham at 14, Jerry? Were you, were you okay with that? Yeah, I wasn't upset by that at all. It's, I, you mentioned Winsteel Perez. I, if you would have asked me in, I don't know, July or August, early August last year, I would have said, yeah, that guy's going to be on the big league roster next year. But then he got injured and whatnot. So I, I, I can see, I don't, haven't seen a lot of Peyton Graham to really have a super intense opinion about him. But yeah, I, I think 14 is probably pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. I, I I haven't seen enough of a sample size. So we talked about, I think Kreidler goes out saying we talked to Kreidler quite a bit. And by the end of, could be the case by the end of May, he's already going to be off this list anyway. So we'll have to find a new person to put on there. So moving through 12 through number eight, number 12 is Winsteel Perez, number 11, Dylan Dingler, number 10, Chase Young, number nine, Joey Wentz, and number eight is Parker Meadows. And Young has also, again, another guy who's been on high on list. A lot of people thought we were too, quote, unquote, critical of him. I, again, not, I don't know what you guys saw, thought of him. I thought there was some potential there. And I, I, I originally, I still pick. I still like to pick for the Tigers. But I'm not going to, I still think there needs to be more of a larger sample size. But a lot of people were very high on Keith Law, Baseball America, but. I think at number 10, he's on the list. He's fine. That's the thing with me, with any of these draft picks, you, I don't know how you can have them super high up on lists when they haven't played much pro ball. We all know there's a big difference between pro ball and college ball. You could absolutely dominate college ball, but get overpowered in double A. So it's, I think we are conservative, but rightfully until we can see more of what he actually can do. Yeah, I think it's a good spot to have him. He hasn't proved anything yet. He's been outmatched so far and the limited time he's had. There's no reason that Young should be like higher than Colt Keith, as Colt Keith's actually proved in pro ball that he has the hit tool, the power tool, and the pass here at least. So Yeah, with both Young and Graham. And these are guys who are big-time college performers. Graham, with 2020 season as a junior, both of them came, got into a pro ball and hit one home run with Wood Betts. And some of that is just, hey, it's the end of a long year. You're making adjustments and stuff like that. But it's a different game, to Jerry's point. Like, it's a, it's a vastly different game. You might, you might not see a fastball under 92 in a game in high A, and you might not see a fastball over 92 during the weekday in, in the Big 12. So there's an adjustment period, and we have to allow for that. It, it's just... When we saw Young, he wasn't terribly impressive. I don't know how else to describe it. And we want, as we said at the beginning of the show, we're, we're more than happy to readjust and, and make changes as we see fit. But I, it, it just, and we mentioned this before, it was just really stark to compare him to Isaac Pacheco, who was there making his debut at the same time in West Michigan. And to see Pacheco being bigger, stronger, faster, and arguably as good of a hitter at, at multiple years younger. It's like, how, how could we have this guy ranked ahead of that guy? Basically, it's what, I, I don't know. So 
maybe that's not fair to Young, and and I'm more than happy to to let him prove me wrong this year. But I just wanted to see a little bit more from him. And, and basically, we only saw him drive the ball to the pull field when he absolutely ambushed a first pitch fastball. We saw his first his only pro home run, and it was like a get me over first pitch. 92 mile an hour fastball and he just jumped all over it but that was it everything else was fairly deep fly balls to the opposite field and maybe he can rein in that approach a little bit and, and start pulling the ball more but i don't know in in the secondary tools were not terribly impressive he's not fast he's an, an okay defender but he doesn't have a lot of range so it's a bat driven profile and when i you know wasn't impressed with the bat i think i had him somewhere between nine and twelve on my personal list the reason why I pull up Pacheco is because I forget the guy was 19. He doesn't yeah. look like he just he looks like a grown grown ass man. He is a grown ass man, but some of the adjustments we saw him making during the game already, having some good at bats, his approach, it was far different than when we first saw him at Lakeland, where even the fin field he struggled a little bit and it looked awkward out there. But we had a friend of ours, I can say who, who said that he was a hot dog kind of guy, but he he's extremely confident about his abilities. Rightfully, I, well that's a bad error. But yeah, I. I was Pacheco, we haven't brought up where he is on the list yet, but just to give an idea of difference, because they both made their debut on the same day, and I remember this night was pretty hot too. But, oh, but, um, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, 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 let's yeah, let's, let's look at that for a quick second. <laughs> Let me let's just here's the thing: like you see the swing right before that, where his back foot goes out towards the dugout. Oops. No, you you, you had it. So he swings yeah. and misses. It doesn't look great. Right there, and the next pitch is an opposite field home run. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that, that, I don't know. It was, again, you try not to put too much into what, what, you know, you're seeing in a small sample, but we watched most of their games down the stretch. Not all yeah. in person, but we watched as much as we could. And it was more of the same. Yeah. And th this is why I think we have a little on the list, but yeah, again, consensus. It's all about consensus and, and having an opinion. Has anybody else wanted to mention the, wanted to have a final thoughts on, the guys that just mentioned before we move on about Young, Dingler. Or Ding, I mean, Link, I oversaw Dingler at number 11, but I think Dingler at 11 is fine. So. Yeah, I, he made no progress last year. He's just stayed, he stayed the same while everyone else improved. And he has someone on his coattails now in Josh Crouch. So hopefully that's some motivation to get going. I personally don't don't have him in my top 10, I don't believe, or maybe he's like right on the top 10 border there. I think what the biggest thing with catchers is it's such a long development curve. Like, I, I don't know who wrote a piece today. They said most talent evaluators are saying like 27 is the new age of when you fully expect a catcher to be break or make. So I think with, with Dingler, he's, he's very athletic and it's just, if he can just limit some of the swing and miss, he's, he's an excellent prospect. So that's where I'm at with him. Yeah. There's a little bit of regression in the swing, but again, maybe he, I know there's the athletic upside because somebody's trying to compare him and Donnie Sands. You can't, can't do that. And I'm not sure if it was in our discord. I saw that earlier and I thought well, there are two different types of catchers. Like Sands is like the old school, big kind of catcher guy versus. Dingler, who was at one point a center fielder. And Parker Meadows, number eight. Again, we had no problem with that. I said Pacheco, number seven. We just talked about him. And then we just go into Ty Madden at number six. We talked about Ty Madden a little bit. The And there was times, too, where he was working on, they told him to just pitch a certain pitch. You could tell based off within within, within the first inning, you could tell, okay, 
today's going to be fastballs. Today's going to be get plan out there. And as we noticed, we noted, as we noted, the Tigers immediately had him change his windup. So his fastball was coming out of the slot better. And so that, that, that stood out right away, Chris. Yeah, very, very quickly. He had kind of a, a, a spine tilt, almost pure 12 to six over the top delivery in Texas. And the Tigers had him go to his glove over his head and, and drop the arm angle to more of a classic high three quarters. And it, it seemed to work for him last year. But as a result of that, sometimes the arm slot would still wander around a little bit. And he's not, he's not like a super athlete like some of the other, like a Dylan Smith or, or Jackson Job. So it's not terribly fluid. But he also has 98 occasionally he will he'll sit like 92 to 96 and and in some starts he was up to 98 but his fastball just and that was the concern coming out of the draft that's why he fell all the way to the supplemental round or whatever it was that the fastball doesn't really play in the zone and that kind of proved to be true he he was able to get strikes above the zone swings and misses but he got hit if he he left the fastball in the zone like he did uh, right, right, there. Around right there yeah i don't know if that was a fastball i didn't see but but yeah I mean, over the course of the year we saw him his his breaking balls morphed into his slider could go anywhere from 81 to 89 to be like a cutter. And then he would also drop in like a 70 mile an hour curveball. But at the end of the year, he was really throwing his change up a lot more to righties and lefties, which was a good development. And it was like a solid pitch. So he's a guy that I, I've talked before about maybe incorporating more of a two seamer and just leaning into the fact that he's going to hit bats in the zone, maybe just try to miss barrels with it. But I think there's enough there to be a number four starter down the road. He's just going to have to keep improving and figure something out with his fastball. The velocity is good, but it's just it's, it's a hittable pitch. Yeah, there's, there's a, again, just developing a consistency thing. There might be, talk about possibly some reliever risk to it, but I still think he ends up being a four starter. And I don't, I think having reliever, seeing reliever risk already, it just seems silly. So our top five. This is okay. So the top five, I take a lot of pride on because first and foremost, why the hell is Christian Santana not ranked on some of these lists? He was no list. Just say you didn't watch the, the system. That's all you gotta say. I understand your job is tough. I understand you watch all these games, but Christian Santana. So number five is Justin Henry Malloy, who we've had on the pod, and and there's something that Chris said, but we'll, I'll get back to that in a second. That we we're talking about this yesterday eternally. Number four is Christian Santana. Number three, Wilmer Flores. Number two is Jackson Job. Although I fought, I think I was, I put him more towards the bottom of my top five. I wasn't, I don't, I don't remember where I ranked them. I just don't, I feel like number two was too high, but, or maybe it was because I got excited after the first start. I, I don't remember right now. And number one, of course, being Colt Keith. And I know Colt Keith is very appreciative of that. And again, people are going to say, well, how are you going to base that off? His numbers early on West Michigan. We'll get back to that. We'll we'll get back to that in a second. But Christian Santana, or it was Justin Henry Malloy. Chris, there's an observation you thought that it was, and I actually went back and watched it today. I'm like, damn, Chris is right. So what was that observation? So yeah, when I was really putting together these scouting reports, I wanted to when they traded for him, I, I really went through and, and we got the the video so we could get his at bats and his home runs and stuff like that. But then I was really digging into it and. There was just, there's something about his swing where he, it, it seems like he steps in the bucket a little bit occasionally. So what, what, what that means is he's putting his lead foot down a little early and opening up and which leads to some weak contact. But the main thing that I noticed was that he's got a terrific idea of the strike zone. We talked to him about that. He, he's going to walk a lot. 
He doesn't expand hardly at ever, but he doesn't. He swings and misses at a lot of breaking balls in the zone or fouls them. And you can see it in the videos we put up where he just, it's, a, I don't know if he just doesn't identify it quickly enough or he can't put the barrel on it, but I think that'll be an issue for him going forward in, in at the upper levels. I don't think it's going to kill his profile, but he's another dude who's, I don't think he's quite as limited as Jace Young, but he's another guy who's going to be a bat first player. It's, it's going to be his average and his power. And he's shown much more game power than, than Young has. I think we have him ranked about the right area. But yeah, there's there's just a there's just an element of a swing that I'm not crazy about. And maybe I'm just overreacting looking at it, but but I think it might be hard for him to reach his, his ceiling as a hitter. Anybody else want to add about Lloyd? Okay. All right. So yeah, I thought that was a good observation. And the reason why I would mention that was in his home run swing a little bit, but it's I think it's a little late. It just you're talking about it being late with the, the foul ball too, but it's, it just seems like his hands don't move down quick I mean, enough on off speed stuff. I, I think he has bat speed and I think he's 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 got raw power. It's just yeah, I I think at the big league level, if they find a weakness, these big league pitchers can execute just about anything, right? They're the best of the best. And if you can't hit breaking balls in the zone. They're going to pound you in the zone with breaking balls until you prove you can. And that's my main concern with him. And for number one for Cole Keith, the reason why we have him at number one is because of his age, what he did last year in a short period of time, and the potential he did in double A, where he could do double A if he was healthy. And talking to him again about we're going to Alan Trammell, all the all work, and, and not to mention being a non-roster invite, that's saying something. That shows that and the Arizona Fall League helped. Those numbers helped out. But as far as you're concerned, I'll start with you, Connor. What is it about Cole Keith? Are you worried about him defensively? Is that where there might be a small? I'm not really worried. I think he really hasn't played a ton of pro baseball. I, I don't know what the number of games he's played in. But he mentioned it in the interview. Like when he went to the Fall League, like he had no problem getting back in the box and hitting again. It was defensively just getting those live reps. If he stays on the field, I I think it, it's just yeah. at, at a point of what's his agility like? Is he moving better laterally or is he moving better in? You just, you find a spot for the guy that, that can hit. I I think he's very worthy of being the, the top prospect in this system though. What about you? What about you, Cameron? There's a... Uh, you were one of the Pie Pipers on Colt Keith early on as well. I mean, for I'm wondering, did everyone have Colt Keith as their number one? Did anyone have Job or Flores here? Oh, on our on our list? Yeah, personally. On your list. Well, so I'm looking, we had I had no Jerry, Chris, Rogelio, we all had Colt Keith number one. Okay. I think I debated between him and Jackson Job. And I was eventually I was like, you know what, I can't I can't I just have to do he has to go up there now i can see uh, because of injury putting him number two having job or even flores number one but when he came back and played those some games in arizona fall league and his bat he faced better comp better competition he was facing all different people throughout all different levels but his bat came his bat came to play even after injury it gave me some hope that wasn't just two two month fluke of hitting and he showed that his bat belongs. Yeah, the kid can hit. 
every time we've we've seen him, we're like, oh, he can hit. And he's hitting for, he hit for more power last year. And and yeah, I think it's he's got a, a good eye at the plate. It's it's a really nice mix of of what you want to see. The, to your point, Roger, I, the defense was what concerned me. We talked to him about that. He seemed really determined to prove. Like he talked about winning a Gold Glove at third base. I'm like, slow down, okay. <laughs> but, but you like that. He seems like a really confident kid who who's going to take things personally and get better. And yeah, and uh, to your other point, Roger, we, we mentioned this before, but there are only a handful of of prospects on our list who are even invited to spring training this year, uh, official non roster invitees. Uh, we'll see a ton of them come over from Tiger Town or whatever to play. But Colt Keith was one of them. Justin Henry Malloy was one of them. Dylan Dingler was one of them because they need all their catchers. And Elvis Alvarado was one of them. So I think that that shows you what the team thinks of these kids. They really think that they're, at least with, with Keith and, and JHM, that those are their, like their two best position prospects. So, yeah, you, you, you try to follow suit with what the organization thinks. At least we, we stand by our opinion, and we look at others with a side eye when they don't have Colt Keith, number one. Only one other from what I can tell, I think ESPN had Colt Keith, the top Tigers prospect. And yeah, good on Kylie McDaniel. We'll see if Angrass hasn't done theirs yet. So we'll see. Top prospect and number 75 on their top 100 list, which is yeah. higher than any other list had Job or I think Job was number one on most other people's lists or in mm -hmm. high, highest in top 100. That sounds about right. Yeah. And that's where I, like I said, it, the proof's in the pudding. And I do, you're talking about his confidence level. He is a fan of the game. And I know it sounds like easy to say he's a fan of the game, but it's just the fact that his parents have sacrificed so much to get him where he wanted to go and play baseball. And, and some of the, some of the stories just talking about that, that was pretty cool to hear. And take, take, you know, take that away again. The fact that his, his approach at the plate, even said I accidentally would if I went opposite was or was it was he, yes. it's, yeah it, it was opposite, it was by accident it was funny to hear yeah I I told him how impressed I was that he could wait on the ball and hit it hard down the left field line he said that was if I did that that was an accident and, and it was like okay but I still think it's impressive that you can accidentally <laughs> do that but yeah so I I don't know we'll see all these things like we said earlier some guys take steps forward some guys take steps back nothing the the common phrase is that prospect development is not linear we'll we'll keep an eye on all these guys that's what we do. Uh, but this was our top 25 list for right now. I, I mean, you know, there were a couple guys we didn't go into uh, too deeply, but uh, come on. We yeah. really want to keep everybody here for four hours. I, I do. I'm curious if, if anybody, if there's any other topics you want to breach, like somebody who thinks going to really move up the ranks this year, or somebody you wished was on the top 25 who wasn't. I thought Winsiel Perez could maybe take a spot out of camp or really impress in camp and be on the fast track if Scope. Doesn't do well, but with his lower back injury, was it lower back injury that was yeah. reported today? That kind of makes me a little iffy on that, but I hope he gets some type of reps in spring or at least an extended look in spring due to scope being gone for the World Baseball Classic. I'm I'm really excited about him. Don't know why, but. Yeah, and his development last year was awesome. It was a shame that he was, his head at season cut short because I think, the way we feel about Parker Meadows now, and Raj even wrote an article about don't don't forget about Parker Meadows because he's 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 a heartbeat beat away from playing center field at it's Comerica Park. The same could have been true for Winslow Perez, but yeah, the injury really puts a damper on things because he was an interesting player for sure. I don't know if anybody else has. I was going to say a couple guys who I think will move up this year in terms of the prospect on the prospect side of things. By the way, if you want to, please go to patreon.com/slash/tiger report. 
all anything you contribute. We're I'm going to do a better job of putting stuff on there now that we have staff and all the money that we make off there. And if you want through our Teespring, goes back to funding our trips out, gas, you name it. Then I can give these guys money. So please do that. Go to patreon.com forward slash tiger minus report or go to our Teespring shop, which is the links on our website, tigermlreport.com. I think a guy who's going to, it was something that I, I, I think it was, wrote about this there's in terms of pitcher wise i think one guy who's going to continue to make some leeway is chance kirby chance kirby had a really good year last year double a he's not a prospect because he's gonna be 28 so i'm not saying he's like the next big wave but i think chance kirby is a guy who will get an opportunity and they might see what they have with him if he continues to do what he did last year and another one is carlos pena who also Moved up pretty quickly last year, and he might be an or guy, but again, he's a control lefty. He's not doesn't have a lot of speed to him, but he throws strikes, and he's pretty consistent. And lastly, and certainly in terms of from a positional standpoint, this one's kind of a it, to me is going to be interesting to see his his progression as an infielder. But Manuel Sequeira, Manuel Sequeira hit 19 home runs last year for Lakeland last year. I know he didn't hit for average, and a lot of people frown upon him, but I'm I'm interested to see if he can hit for uh, at his tool. He's only 20 years old, and already there's just kind of like there's some weird people out there. Like, I don't know if he, he's, he doesn't walk a lot. Yeah, no, sh- no, sh- no, almost said. Anyway, but I think, I, I don't know, Emmanuel Sequeira is a guy I'm interested in seeing his progress because we all, we're all fans. I know Chris and I are big fans of Raylan Perez. That's a guy who I'd be interested to see as well, but I think Manuel Sequeira got overlooked last year a little bit because of his average, but he hit 19 home runs. And in the Florida State League, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, it, it's really hard, especially for a teenager. Yeah, but it, it's it's he was he was a divisive guy in our our ranking too, but kind of like a workman because because of those strikeouts and then the lack of walks more more because he didn't strike out a ton. He just didn't walk at all, and that was the main thing that people worried about. But when you're that young and you've got the power, those are that's a, that's a good place to start, and you're you're probably going to stick on the dirt. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy who could blow up if if there's a step forward in that plate discipline. So I like that, and I think it was Jake Bowes over at Blushy Boys who had Chance Kirby on on their prospect list. I don't know if oh, that's who. Oh, Mercy Bengals did. Oh wow, huh? yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's where I did see that. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious about the the other guys if they have any any. What, they used to call these personal cheese balls, I guess. Guys, you you're higher on than the rest of us. I'm actually lower on Christian Santana, but I don't, I don't hate his game. I think, I think he's just a little bit farther down the development curve. Curve. I have him out of the top ten, but that's strictly just because defense is my biggest concern going forward. Where he'll be, but again, he's only 19 years old, so there's still a long way to go. And I think a guy that I really want to see make even bigger strides this year is Pacheco. I think. Like you guys touched on, the physical ability is there. I think as long as he continues to mature his approach and get better pitches to hit, and when he does get a pitch to hit, don't miss it. So that's some things that I'm looking at going forward. And this this list was probably the hardest list to put together for quite some time, I would say. 
I can't remember the last time outside of the top 10 where I was, oh my God, where do I put some of these guys? Junior, what about you? Is there anybody that, in terms of looking at the data that you do, is there anybody that you are expecting to rise up the list? I don't know. For me, we had on him earlier, Campos. He's going to be the one that I'm most interested in seeing how far up the list he can go. If he can, like we said, if he can lift that ball more, it's, he's going to be really interesting. So I think that's probably my my main focus right now. All right. Do you Good. think there's a world where we have Campos and Christian Santana next to each other in the top five, top ten? Yeah. And there has to be. Yeah. If uh, there has to be a world where everything is possible. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, those are two of the younger or and more exciting. Campos, Santana, Pacheco are, are like the the three super exciting young players. And then Colt Keith is the old man who's like a year older than, but yeah, all those dudes have a ton of, a ton of potential. So I, yeah, I can see them all exploding in a million different directions. And you really have to like the use with the power there. That's something that we, it feels like I'm being a broken record. We haven't had that forever. And it's so exciting to see. Yeah. For anybody that checks out Woodward sports deal, Neil always gives me new rule, always gives me crap about being somewhat optimistic. And I told him, like, this is the first time I'm actually optimistic about the system. Really a telling thing. And and Walter, we're gonna go over that tomorrow, by the way. Walter asked, we're gonna talk about the Fido, Fido arm angle that Cody mentioned in the athletic. And we're gonna talk about that tomorrow on the Woodward Tigers podcast. Then we're just kind of over the minor league stuff. Good to see you, Walter, in the chat. But honestly, I look at it this way. I wouldn't this is the first time that Chris and I have been doing this together and probably the first time since I've been, I've been paying attention to the minor leagues since the days of the newspaper where they would have the organizational where everybody was and everything. And this is the first time where I could actually go, holy crap, there's at least two or three potential major leaguers. And it's not just me just saying, there's other people saying this before I, like I said, I quickly dismissed Nick Quintana. I think about other guys. I'm just like, no, 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 definitely not. And, and now even, a guy that, I, you know what, uh, here's another guy too, I forgot to mention. Here Montero, I think is going to also make some headway too. We didn't put him on a list. I know there was, I think I put him on my, I don't know, Chris, did I put him on mine? I'm looking, you have him 24th. I had him 23rd. So I, again, he showed last year, his like last month or so, he was really good for West Michigan. And I'm interested to see if he can repeat that either at West Michigan or goes to double A. I, I know Montero, I know Trevor Huth was very excited about him, but he was, when he was on, he was really good. And so it's a matter of being consistent with his command. Yeah. And he's, he's pretty young and he's got a, a, a nice mix of pitches too. Yeah. He's a, he's another fun name. I don't know. Did Cameron, do you get a chance to say anybody that you thought might blow up this year? Not blow up. I just, I just want to see Winslow Perez. That's, yeah, there you go. That's, that's right. my blow up. The one name, I, and I mentioned this in our Discord over uh, Discord Discord or whatever. The one, one guy that I don't think we mention very often is Abel Bastidas, who was the other infielder taken in the same international class as Christian Santana, and they're actually like a day apart in age. I think Bastidas is a day older than Santana, and this is where I do the old "What if we drafted that kid?" test. And so I look at, okay, what if we drafted a kid who was 18 and went out and walked 13% of the time, struck out less than 20% of the time, hit for a little bit of power, was a switch hitter, and played shortstop in rookie ball? 
put up a 118 WRC plus. I, I think we'd be pretty excited about him. Not maybe not going crazy, but that's like better than Isaac Pacheco did as an 18 year old in the in the Gulf Coast League or the Florida Complex League. And that's what Bastidas did last year. And we just we we, we don't think too much of him. But it wouldn't shock me if because he's more of like a traditional build a prospect. Like he's listed six two one sixty five. I think he's already starting to grow into his frame. So he could be one of those kids whose power shows up later, and suddenly you've got a middle infielder who's got an approach who can hit for power, and, and that's another potential top 20 prospect in the system. I, I, I'm really excited to see what he does this year. I don't know if it'll be in Lakeland, but, yeah, I, I, he's a guy I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. No, by the way, so opening day for t- is on March 31st. They have the earliest opening day. West Michigan's April 6th, same day as the Tigers, so... I have to cover. I have to. I'm going to be opening day for the Tigers, but we'll have somebody out there. Chris and Cameron and maybe Jerry we might be out there. I know Connor's talked about going with us to Toledo, and then West for the Erie game, which is April 11th. We're actually going to be doing a live broadcast from there to Tuesday, so we'll be there for that. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll be yeah, we'll be everywhere this year as we continue to get some more coverage. And like I said, South Bend is on the list. What, oh, yeah, I have Jerry. Jerry just Aren't disappeared. You? We lost Jerry. Oh, there's Jerry. Yeah. So I said, Jerry's going to be somewhere. And then <laughs> as soon as I said, Jerry, you're going to be in West <laughs> Michigan this year. And he just went. We didn't, yeah, we didn't mean to go right now. <laughs> I'm out. See ya. Then. Uh-oh. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll be out everywhere this year. So please go to our website, tigersmlreport.com. The reports I'm finishing up, I'm just putting on the list. When you don't have two screens at work, it makes a difference. I'm going to tell you that right now. I have two screens at home. It's beautiful. I can do things quicker. But plowing through those reports right now and, and check out Ben's article. We have, we have a, you know, what's funny is we have Benny K who's in our chat. Also pitches in college. Too. He didn't, he didn't tell, he's subtle about that too. But there also, we have a, a potential new pitcher joining us in at Woodward Targers. We'll talk about learn about that tomorrow. A former major leaguer will be helping us out, but I'll, I'll give the details on that more about that tomorrow. On that note, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon. Have a good night, everybody. Baseball. Baseball. <laughs>